what's going on, people? I would like to welcome all of you to another Q on One edition of the Talk to Q Radio Show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And with the Q on Ones, what I like to do is interview people. Sometimes they can be local entrepreneurs, or they could be someone um, who's doing their thing worldwide. Um, so it's an opportunity for you to get to know these people up and close and learn their story and what gave them the passion to do what they do or provide the type of service they provide. So please sit back and enjoy the show. And please be encouraged to share. A lot of people, including myself, kind of do their thing by word of mouth, you know. So the more you spread the knowledge about the show, then the more people who can tune in and grow this thing and make it bigger. And it also gives more support for the people who I bring on the show who are looking to get their product or services out to the masses. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. He's appeared in several TV series, movies, and shorts. He's also done a little modeling. Residing in the sonar state of Oklahoma, please welcome Mr. Dale Niehaus to the Talk to Q radio show. Dale, how's it going? It's uh, going really, really good. I'm just sitting outside smoking a cigar on a beautiful Oklahoma night. Oh, man, that sounds great. That sounds great. I recently got into cigars myself. And I'm still a novice, but, uh, of course, this whole quarantine thing has kind of cut out my, my visits to the cigar shop, so I'll have to get to it um, at some point. But, okay, so as far as your career goes, um, did you set out to be an actor? Um, is that something you've always wanted to do when you were younger? Well, basically growing up in uh, southern Indiana, um, I grew attached to watching movies quite a bit. Uh, I was an only child, and even since before I could walk, you know, I was just drawn to the TV of cartoons, TV, uh, movies. Uh, and then when I started like growing up a little bit more, like where I could walk and stuff, um, as a kid, I would start trying to imitate what I saw on TV, which, you know, uh, occasionally I would mistakenly walk in the room and they're watching movies like Aliens or Cheech and Chong. So, you know, that kind of got to be some bad improv, but uh, <laughs> for a five-year-old. <laughs> right. Especially Cheech and Chong's next movie, you know. There's some good improv that a little kid shouldn't be doing for that. But, uh, but you know, eh, what can I say? But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, so as a child, I wanted to – I loved acting just uh, from what I've seen in the movies. I'm like, man, that'd be so cool to be in a movie, do this and that. And – I dreamt of that as a kid, but I grew up in southern Indiana, so there was no real need for it there or, like, any availability like there is nowadays. So I kind of right. had to focus on regular life and stuff. And so um grew up in Indiana, uh, ended up getting married, had three children there, and then um, moved out to Oklahoma in 2015 and still basically didn't have any idea uh, that this was coming up. And so – um, in 2016, I was in my first play as an adult, and I afterwards, because growing up, I had a fear of being in front of people. It was like my heart was pounding. I was sweating. I stuttered when I talked. It was just horrible. And um, mm. after that play, which was nerve-wracking to prepare for, but once I got on stage and people reacted and laughed whenever me and another character interacted, the acting budget bit me in 2016, and then... I was in my first film, December of 2016, and then just from like that, I went gung-ho into it and just have been nonstop since 2017. 
That's pretty cool, the way you kind of got started. And um, it's hard to imagine someone who is, you know, now in front of the camera pretty often having stage fright at one point. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned something earlier a few minutes ago about um, being in Indiana and not really seeing the opportunities as far as acting. And, I mean, nowadays kids grow up thinking, well, I can be anything because the Internet gives us so much exposure and access to all types of job opportunities and everything. But, of course, maybe depending on when you came up, your only option was going to Hollywood or maybe going to New York or somewhere like that to try to make it big, so to speak. So do you think that people Mm -hmm. now have better opportunities to get into acting than maybe when you were coming up as a teen? Oh, absolutely. Because, like, um, Internet first started coming around, like, to where you could actually get on the Internet, like, when was that, the early 90s, I think? Um, And I was in middle school, and that was dial-up. For people who don't understand (laughs) dial-up, it's when you were trying to get on the Internet, and it was dialing up, and it was a doop, doop, doop. And if it failed, you had to go back through the whole process again. It was a nightmare. (laughs) It was so frustrating. Oh, my God, it was horrible. And then... If you wanted to download a picture to print off live, it took you about five minutes to do that. It was horrible. <laughs> but, but, but uh, yeah, um, nowadays, oh, it's still, it's still, it still can be challenging. But um, I know, I know actors that live all in a country that, um, and, and the thing with acting is, you don't have to be a Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks or a big name celebrity to be an actor. Um, Mm-hmm. I know people that make short films that get on YouTube and 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 even if the the um the stuff that they're making I mean they've got people that are doing stuff in their backyards for videos on YouTube making money. Um but that's not necessarily yeah. acting I would call that but but I mean people and, and you can be you can be any I mean if you obviously you want to get some training to to learn how to act but I mean Really, people can act all over the country, uh, and also with today's technology, um, somebody compared to like somebody in the 80s to where they'd have to go to Hollywood or, or New York or something, um, nowadays, right. somebody might get discovered acting in a short film in Indiana or in Kentucky or Tennessee or, or you know Nebraska, and, and it could be seen by a director in L.A. or something, and they may be like, oh, wow, look at that. That's the you know, next Tom Cruise or – or the next Scarlett Johansson. I mean, the the possibilities for people nowadays um, are endless because of, of technology. And it's amazing. I network with filmmakers um, all over the country, um, out in California, all the way to New York, Florida, um, even some that I've talked to in other countries. So it's amazing with net network and technology nowadays of the possibilities that are endless for people that do seriously want to get into the entertainment industry. It has definitely changed the game. And when I was growing up as a teenager in the 80s, I had no idea mm-hmm. that um, there were opportunities out there to, like, have my own show on the Food Network and travel the country and eat and things of that nature. But, you know, that stuff you get exposed <laughs> to later on as technology has advanced. So I think it's pretty great. But uh, who are some of the yeah. Hollywood actors that have inspired you? <laughs> oh, let's see. Um well, I have to say that one of my biggest influences, and God rest his soul for the internal struggles of depression that he suffered. Um, I grew up watching Rob Williams a lot, and um, 
he okay. inspired me. He kind of he inspired me because um, you know after learning his depression and all he fought internally, he always went out of his way to try to make people laugh or make people you know to entertain them so that way they wouldn't have to feel that way about themselves. But just growing up and watching his films, uh, you know, God, he made so many bloody films. It's crazy. But um, but also watching through his voice impersonations, which, you know, that kind of is something that I've dabbled in over the years too. And so he was a big influence. And I will always have a one of my, my biggest heroes in film, Sean Connery, and that's one of my idols that I have always, always loved. Um, from his earlier works of James Bond to um, – to, uh, on Highlander, to Medicine Man, to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you name it. Um, he was definitely one of those that influenced me um, as an actor because of the amazing work that he did. And, and then, you know, there's so many of them, um, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, you name it. Uh, um, there's just it, – it's it's like, you know, I can watch a film with uh, – in like Tom Hanks, some of them that just had done such legendary work that – I think us as actors, we watch watch the different films and stuff, and we see the different actors and their amazing ability and stuff, and we just kind of all are inspired by different ones but in different ways, and it kind of ends up making us into who we are. At first, we kind of you know maybe imitate them a little bit at first, but then we find our own path, our own niche um, of our own acting ability. But um, i definitely say Robin Williams and uh, – Sean Connery were definitely some of my um, my early inspirations of acting. And I'm a Connery fan myself. Um, I, I, I love James Bond. Um, I love yes. that franchise, and he was the best Bond to me. Yes. I don't know how many times I've seen Dr. No. Robin Williams was, he was very talented, and he did have a lot of voices that he did. And voice acting is is very lucrative now with so many Disney and Pixar movies coming out annually. Is that something you would consider, voice acting? It is, actually. Um, I've done some very low-key projects, that uh, mostly for friends of mine. Um, there was one that uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a very small project, uh, which they – something happened. I don't think I ever got to finish filming it. But basically in that one, I – Everybody else was a live actor in it, but I played an animated talking worm called Sweeps in there that got bullied and beat up by everybody. Um, it was pretty funny. And uh, <laughs> and then a buddy of mine did a mashup of G.I. Joe. Um, what he did is he took different um, parts of the episodes or whatever, and he would basically cut them and splice them, do, mix them up, and then we would dub over our voices doing it to basically create our own dialogue. And um, so in that one, okay. I did like Cobra – I did like uh, Cobra Commander and a few other voices, and uh, the the Cobra Commander one was kind of funny because um, my buddy was talking to me, and he was like, you know, hey, I'm trying to find this. I'm trying to find somebody to do Cobra Commander, and I was like, hmm, I might be able to do it. Let me try, and and so I kind of practiced my own, and then I I sent him an audio recording of it, and he's like, dude, that sounded dead up like Cobra Commander. Okay, you're doing it. I'm like, okay, um, so I ended up. Uh, I ended up doing it, and he did like a couple of, of episodes of that for um, – they put it on a small YouTube channel. And uh tell you what, man, after you did Cobra Commander for an hour or so, man, that throat hurts, man. I'm telling you. It's uh, it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> he had a very distinctive but, uh, voice, and and you know I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to do a quick Cobra, Cobra Commander for me. 
I figured that was coming once I said that. <laughs> sure, why not? Let me get a drink of water real quick. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Here's my try tonight at Cobra Commander. Let's see if I uh, get it down. All right. <sighs> Greetings, G.I. Joe. This is Cobra Commander. Anybody think Destro? I swear he took all the shaman toilet paper. I'm about to show him the true meaning of Cobra. That was great. <laughs> that was great. Accent and everything. You had all the little nuances in there. And, um, and growing I had, up, you had to throw in the, I had to throw in the thing about Sherman toilet paper just because of the thing going on right now. So <laughs> it definitely applies to today. So Thank you. that's great. Thank you. That's great. What, what kind of role appeals to you the most? You know, you want to be a hero, a bad guy. Like, what's your dream oh. role for a movie? Well, it honestly, um, I've dreamt of being both, uh, and uh, I've kind of played both in a sense. Um, you know, back when I first started, and this was actually when I actually had hair, surprisingly. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I do have. I can still grow hair on my head, but uh, it started to recede up from – there's more on my forehead showing than anything now. And, uh, and now I've got a bald spot on top of my head. So uh, a couple years ago, I said, you know what, I'm just going to shave it all off. I'm tired of having, like, this receding hairline, and it just looked horrible to me. So I shaved it and I trimmed it down okay. to the goatee, um, which now I just – I don't have the mustache. I just have, like, the the, the chin stash or whatever. But um, I um, <laughs> I shaved it off before then. Before then, I always got cast the the boyfriend, um, the husband, the dad next door, just basically the overall like goody goody two shoes guy or whatever. And uh, that that's good and everything, and I don't mind playing that. But uh, when I started shaving my head, then I started getting more approach for doing like the more of either the the not so nice guy or the bad guy. And honestly, playing the bad guy is so much more fun. The um, <laughs> the one. The one role um, I played a, a kind of like a, a head of a mob family, but it was like a, a forty-eight hour film uh, competition we did, and it was kind of a comedy, so it was okay. But honestly, I would love to play the head of like a, a mob family or a mob boss in an actual like mob film or something, just something, or even oh, like a, a head bad guy in a film, something like that. That would be cool. I mean, I, I'm a member of the the Ball Brotherhood as well, so I understand. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite, hey. I guess, bald, bald bad guys from classic movies was uh, Ewell Brenner and Westworld, the original yes. Westworld in the 60s. Yes. He was a great yes. bald bad guy. And But I, I think that would be, a mob boss would be pretty cool. I think that would be pretty cool. Yes. I, I can see you playing that role. And, you know, when I, when I first went to your, your IMDb page, and I saw some of the photos that you have, and I was like, okay, this, this looks like something out of a magazine. I mean, nice professional <laughs> hits, shots, and things of that nature. So I know modeling is something that you do as well. Was that something you kind of stumbled into because someone discovered that you had a look, or how did that come about? Well, that's actually kind of funny because at the time um, when I didn't have any actual good, you know, actually headshots, uh, a friend of mine kind of helped me out by taking some real quick in the backyard, which – they weren't the best quality, but uh, at least kind of had something to start with. Um, but then he was taking my picture. He's like, dude, okay, you, you've got to look, man. You've got a good look for modeling. You ought to really try that. And he, I'm like, okay. You know, I was looking at him weird. And he's like, no, seriously. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, may, 
he's a good friend of mine that passed away. His name is Zach Wilkerson. May he rest in peace. Um, but he, um, but yeah, he kind of mentioned it to me. So I started reaching out to uh, different photographers that were around the Oklahoma community, and um, yeah, I just kind of started like working with some of them. And then, of course, you know, at, at the beginning, they always had to correct me on my posing because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, even to this day, I still have to work on it. But I've, you know, since then, this was back in, I want to say the summer of 2017 that I had actually started working with the photographer. So, I mean, it's, acting's been longer, but modeling has been pretty a pretty good distant amount of time too. And uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of something that thanks to my friend uh, mentioning that, otherwise I would have never have stumbled into it or even tried it. And so I ended up becoming an actor and model because of that. It's kind of funny how that works sometimes. Well, I mean, I, I think that you're a natural. I, I, like I said, I looked at your pictures, and at first I thought I was in the wrong place. I was like, is this some type of cologne ad or something like that? <laughs> Oklahoma Moon. I, I wasn't sure what was Man. going on, but um, they're great pictures. So thank you. I, I definitely think that, that your your friend was, was definitely correct on that. Um, I, I believe you've done some stage acting as as well as, you know, you've done film. Do you have a preference? Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone came to you and said, hey, let's do this Broadway tour or, or something of that nature, I mean, do you have a preference as far as stage or film? Oh, you know, I mean, the majority of the time I, I love, I prefer doing film. And, um, and kind of the reason okay. for that, too, is you – with film I, I do like because it's kind of more of just having like a, a natural like environment um, to just – like if you were staying there and talking to me, But – I absolutely love theater, um, and the reason being is, number one, it challenges you because you're having to go to rehearsals five nights a week for several hours, and this is a dedication for months. It's not just like a film to where you get lines and you've got film dates and you can go do those on those certain dates, and that's it. In a theater thing, right. you're having to dedicate, and, and that's just at least a month of preparation of rehearsals and then however long the, the actual thing is running. So you're actually having to like set aside time and devote time to doing that, but then you're having to get on there, have your lines memorized on a stage, and, and then the, the challenge that if people have never done theater, that have uh, done film, is unlike film to where if you mess up a line, they can yell cut, and you just redo it on stage in front of all those people. If you mess up a line, you just keep going. Um <laughs> And one challenge, too, um, let's say if you're doing a scene in theater, which for anybody who's never done it, you always have to – the thing about film, too, is, is you can have your back to the camera in, in a scene or whatever if that's what you're supposed to do. But in theater, you have to kind of cheat the way you're standing, and that what I mean by that is is have the position of your body to where you're always facing the audience in some way because if they can't right. see you, you know, like if you're trying to project your voice, it's not going to get out. And so – but um, – but also with that, yeah, like it, let's say if your partner you're talking with in the scene or whatever, and let's say they were supposed to say a line before you, and if they forget that line, you, you've got you've got to be on top of it like that to where you just keep going um, because there is no stopping in the middle of a scene on theater because it's just it's a living body. People can see you. And also with theater, too, you get that instant gratification, the instant reaction to where you'll know if there's crickets out there where people think you suck. Uh, or if there could be crickets <laughs> wow. because the scene the scene is so moving, like if it's a scene to where it's dramatic, to where somebody died or something, 
and the audience is yeah. speechless. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that scene, they're like roaring, clapping, and applauding. And or if there's a scene to where you did something that it was extreme, hilarious, and the audience is cracking up, that is such an amazing feeling um, to to get that. Um, but but I honestly think that as an actor, it's important to have both because you get an appreciation and understanding because, like I said, in theater, you get better at memorizing your lines and also ad-libbing sometimes too and also of kind of situational awareness to where you're kind of paying attention to your surroundings. And then in film to yeah. where you're learning to not project your voice as much when you don't have to. So, um, the camera catches everything, so you don't have to sit there and like overact things like on stage sometimes. So it challenges you to do both, so that way you become a better rounded actor altogether. Okay, okay, I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. And so do you have any desire to write or produce or direct at some point in the future, or do you want to keep making your living in front of the camera? You know, um, I, I think that any um, successful actor like, you know, Tom Hanks, um you know, all of them um, at one point have dabbled outside of just the acting part. And um, I definitely would like to eventually, um, especially as I get more and more established, uh, I'd love to produce and, and direct um, uh, films and write um, because I think as an actor, the more the more time you've been doing it, the more you know that a lot of times there's stuff that you've learned um, from seeing the directors that direct in previous films and stuff that you've been in, that you can always be able to give back and guide, you know, other people on set. And I think it would be great to to be able to have it as well, so that way you're you're able to do more than just act. You're able to to direct on set, like for a scene, or you're able to help produce it, to to find ways of networking, to get the funds, to also you know fund it yourself, you know, uh, and then writing to where you can create your own story. Like a friend of mine was telling me, and he's a very successful um, screenwriter named Kyle Harris. Um, he actually okay. is, uh, um, he's um, repped out in LA. and He's actually got some uh, scripts that he's written. That's going to be turned into some huge projects here in the future. Um, the biggest advice he ever gave to me, especially when I was starting out and I haven't taken it yet. Uh, you know, write your own film, um, make your own script and make your own film, uh, which I still haven't figured out quite yet how to, to write a script. I've kind of dabbled a little bit, but um, uh-huh. I think uh, I think as an actor, we're all creative in a sense. And uh, I definitely, from some stuff that I've experienced in life and some stuff I've done on, on film, I definitely think I could create an entertaining piece of, of a 10-minute short film at least. So I'm definitely going to start looking into that. <laughs> okay. All right. That's cool. All right, so we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, what's on the menu for future ventures? You know, right now everything's kind of shut down with the whole quarantine thing, but after all this is said and done, do you have anything um, in the works or anything you're going to be working towards? Actually, yes. Um, there's actually a few projects. There is one that they are literally a week from finishing production, and they had to put it on hold because of this. It's a Supernatural series which uh, season one is what they're about to finish up on. So it's a brand new series that's going to be coming out uh, November this year, I believe. Okay. It's called uh, Honey. It's called Honey Jessica. 
And okay. it's basically about a uh, small town girl that grew up in a fictional town in, in Oklahoma. And she basically thinks that her world is small, smaller than what it is. And then she quickly realizes that there are things in this world that she didn't realize that were there. They're there now. There's a lot of supernatural creatures that she encounters uh, and some that are life-threatening and some that are actually that kind of become part of her family that um, she hmm. truly didn't realize before. So it's uh, fans of True Blood, I think, are going to get a kick out of that. Um, okay. So be on the lookout for that, definitely. Um, and then I am just got cast in a fan film. Um, uh, it's called Freddy vs. Jason Dreamscape. And um, oh. it's, yeah, it's uh, basically what they're doing is they're taking, um, basically where Freddie and Jason are in hell still, and a, some something happens that Jason is brought back to life, which Freddie, I believe, may have a hand in that. Like, he always does everything. <laughs> and um, and so this kind of goes along the lines more of in the dream realm, um, the kind of the main character uh, who's this teenage kid who kind of has to go back and forth between them. So... It's promising. The script looks amazing. Um, it's a fan film, so all any they are they're not making any money off this. In fact, all the the proceeds of that are going back into making another fan film. That's kind of the rules along fan films. You can't make a profit off of it. Um, but it's hoping okay. to. I think they they are they're running a campaign right now, and they've also got DVD perks for sale on that too. So it's. Um, and the other big one I want to mention um, is a faith film that I'm going to be in. It's a religious film called Faith Restored. And that one I am playing the lead character in, which I've played a lead a couple times in smaller projects, but in a feature-length film, this is the first time I've played a lead character. It's kind of frightening in a sense. Um, in that, I, uh, I play a minister who loses his faith through tragic events by some chance, getting magically transported back to the very first Easter. So, I mean, it's basically when Jesus is alive leading up to the crucifixion. And it's very dramatic. And through the process, the audience will have to see if he gets his faith back or not. So it's it's a very moving uh, – the script is beautiful. Um, and I, I really have a feeling if they can get the funding enough, they're trying for a theatrical release, but at least maybe – to get released on maybe churches all over the country. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed about that. And uh, yeah, you can end up going from minister to mob boss. That's a lot of range right there. So. <laughs> well, I, I, I believe, I believe there's probably at some place in time, there's probably been a mob boss turned to minister or a minister who is a mob boss on the side, so I'm, which that actually, actually that might, Never mind, I'm not going to say more. That might be There's a good idea. I'm going to shut up. There's your script. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, man. Hey, I might have to look into that. <laughs> All right, I want a producer's credit on that. If I do make that, you'll get a, a producer's credit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, so where can people find you, uh, you know, on social media? Where, where can they learn? All things Dale Niehaus. IMDb, uh, I'm on there as Dale Niehaus. Uh, real easy to find. You'll okay. see this bald, gleaming head guy on there. And then I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, it's just Dale A. Niehaus. Real simple. Instagram, it's a kind of a, a name I came up by, a model I live by. Uh, my tag on Instagram is helping others is the greatest. Helping others is the greatest. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a, that's a great tag to live by. Dale, I appreciate you taking the time to come on 
this Q11 podcast of the Talk Radio Show. And um, I hope that all this quarantine stuff is over, man, and you can get back on the set soon. Oh, me too, man. Me too. And it was a pleasure being on here. I thank you very much for having me. You can check him out on Instagram at Helping Others is the Greatest. I'll have a link to that on the Talk to Q Radio Show website, as well as a link to his IMDb page. So, Dale, I appreciate it, and you have a good evening. Hey, you do the same, sir. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for this T2Q podcast. Go to TalkToQ.com, and that way you can sign up for the email newsletter and be alerted to new shows as they come out. I'm on Twitter at TalkToQ, and that's Talk, the number two Q. So I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast of T2Q, and I'll see you next time.